Remain standing and we will read from 1 John chapter 5, 1 through 13. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome. It's really good to see you all here and all the visitors. We want to extend that welcome especially. But yeah. Each one here this morning. I suppose all of you know what that symbol is. It is the Nike symbol. We find the Nike symbol on some of the athletic clothes or shoes that we wear, and even on the clothes that is being worn. This brand of clothes is more geared for athletic use. People use these clothes to play sports, to go running, and also in working out. But do you know what Nike means or where it even came from? The Nike swoosh there represents motion and speed. It also carries the idea of you being the winner compared to those around you. The word Nike, according to the Greek mythology, comes from a goddess, which was named Nike. She was also known, known as a wing goddess. The ancient Greeks worshipped this goddess because they believed that she could help them to avoid death and also to give them speed and strength to accomplish any tasks that came their way so that they could be victorious so that they could be undefeated. 
And it was only when the Greeks worshipped their gods that they thought that they were unconquerable. It was their gods that would give them eternal victory. The Greeks realized that with man alone, they couldn't receive such victory, especially eternal victory. The goddess Nike is seen in different places today. Like I said, the brand name Nike is on the shoes and the clothes that we wear. The swoosh represents one of the wings of the goddess Nike. The wreath of the victory that the goddess Nike holds in, in the statue is seen on the Olympic medals. And also America's anti-aircraft missile system used the Nike symbol. And also the Honda motorcycles used the Nike symbol for their company logo. In the verses that was read in 1 John 5, there is a word that is repeated three times. And it is the word overcometh. I want to preach this morning on the overcomer. So what is the definition of the, the overcomer? It means, it means to conquer, to be victorious, to subdue the enemy, Whoops. to overcome, to prevail, to get the victory. And in today's terms, that we can maybe understand, it means to be the winner. So who is John talking about? That is the one who overcometh. We can see um, in this chapter, whosoever is born of God. He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Doesn't that sound like followers of Jesus Christ, like Christians? It is the Christians. They are the ones who overcometh. We are the ones who overcometh, who wins, who is undefeated, who is unconquerable. So when we think about overcoming, how much do we overcome by? Or how much do we win? You know, in sports, there are different ways that you can win. In a ball game or by running in a race. So on basketball, you can win when you're down by one point up to the last second. When a player makes the buzzer beater shot. Or you could win by a margin of 30 points. In baseball, you can win by having a walk-off home run in the ninth inning. And that happens when you're losing all the way up to the bottom of the ninth and someone hits a home run. Or you could win with a score in the bottom of the ninth inning, 11-0. to zero. In a race, you can win by a few inches. Or... You can also win by lapping your opponents. How do you think us as Christians win? Or how, do we, how much do we overcome? Do you think that we win in overtime as Christians? Or that we just so slide into victory? Is that the way we overcome? Or is that the way we win? No, that is not the way we win. Romans 8, 36-37, it says, As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. 
We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In spite of what our former condition was before we were Christians, we were like sheep heading to the slaughter. We are conquerors. Not just conquerors, we are more than conquerors. In the Amplified Bible, it says an overwhelming victory. And I realized that I forgot something in my notes, that I wanted to point this out about the, um, the word Nike and how it fits in with the overcomer. And that's how I got the word overcomer. But the word Nike, the Greek word for overcometh, is the word, verb tense form is nakaho. Nakaho. And in the noun tense, it is pronounced as Nike. And this word is spelled N-I-K-E, which we get our word Nike from. Now, sorry, going back to um, this um, overcomers, or the conquerors, more than conquerors. Um, the Greek word for more than conquerors is hyper nakaho. The way that it is spelled looks like hyper nakaho. This word means to gain a surpassing victory. There is nothing that can be compared to this victory. It is a victory that is out of this world. And this is for us as Christians. Do you get the picture? We are winners by a long shot. We are undefeated. We are unconquerable. Paul goes on to say, um, in Romans 8 there, that he is neither that he is persuaded, that he is convinced beyond any shadow of doubt that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing was going to defeat him or separate him from the love of Christ. And he was hanging on to this victory that was for sure his. So us as Christians, what are we overcoming? What do we have victory over? <clears throat> In 1 John 2.13 um, it says, I write unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. We are overcoming the wicked one. Who is the wicked one that John is talking about? The wicked one is Satan. The Satan is the father of lies. He brings deception and confusion. He brings disunity. And this is done by false prophets or those who do not speak the truth from Scripture, as we see in 1 John 4. He, st he steals the seed that was sown in a person's heart. And I believe lying is his way in defeating people. And he does this in so many different ways. He makes us believe the untruth. With Satan also comes death for all people. But we have also overcome 
death and are given eternal life. First Corinthians 15, it says, O death, where is sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We as Christians have victory. We overcome the wicked one. Another thing that we are overcoming, First uh, John 5, 4, it says, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We overcome the world. What is it about the world that we overcome? It is not necessarily the people that we are overcoming nor the things in the world necessarily that we are overcoming, like nature or even our possessions or businesses. I mean, they may be things that hinder us, but it's not that that we are overcoming. The things that we need to overcome in this world is anything that draws us away from God, anything that is an obstacle or a stumbling block to, call, to the cause of Christ. And they may be pride, lust, greed, Jealousy, covetousness, and the list of sin goes on. Those are things that are characteristics of the world. And that's what we need to separate ourselves from or overcome. John encourages us in 1 John 2 that we should love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He gives us two things that we are not to love. The world, the order, the behavior, the fashion, and the government of this world system, and the things in the world. The things that make up the world system of evil and rebellion against God. So how are we overcomers? How do we get the victory? This point is very important to catch because I had some strong words um, that I use like unconquerable and undefeated. And I don't want you to be feeling confused when you leave here this morning. I had said that the Greeks didn't depend on the strength of man for their victory they depended on their gods, the ones whom they thought that they could get eternal victory. We too are dependent upon divine intervention. In order to be overcomers, we need someone else who can help us. Without this help, we are automatically defeated. We are as good as dead. We are on the losing team. There are different scriptures that talk about how we are overcomers. And these verses aren't necessarily in order um, as I give it. The first one is because of Christ. That's why we are overcomers. Jesus first overcoming the world. Um, 1 John, or John 16, 32 and 33 says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, 
Every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. If you look at these verses, it doesn't sound really good. I mean, I believe he's talking about when Jesus is crucified, especially in the first part of verse 32. It talks about how Jesus' followers will be scattered um, as one who doesn't have a shepherd, and they will have sufferings and trials in this world. But Jesus offers peace to them. He gives them something to be excited about when they are going through tribulations. And I think that thing that he gives them to be excited about is the word I, he says, I have overcome the world. This phrase gives us something to look forward to. There is a better day coming for those who are going through sufferings and trials. The world that we live in is in control of Satan. It is run by Satan. He is doing his work, but the victory is won. Payday is coming for Satan. There's a story that I heard that I'm reminded of, of a missionary who lived in a jungle somewhere. And he came home for a furlough, and at his church, he shared um, some stories about his experience in the mission field. And the one story that he shared was about a snake that entered into his tent. And in fear, he ran out of the tent and got one of the natives to come help him kill this snake. The native went into the tent with his machete to kill the snake. After a while, the native came out um, with, with his machete. And, but the missionary could still see that there was movement and action and destruction happening in his tent. So he asked the native why he didn't kill him. And he replied by saying that he chopped off the snake's head, but the body of the snake didn't realize that he was dead yet. After a little time later, the missionary saw that his tent was quiet and went in and saw the snake laying still. That's how it is with Satan. At the cross, Jesus defeated Satan. He crushed his head. The victory is won. But there will be some time before the chaos that Satan is causing here on this earth. And our lives is still. And we know that that won't happen till at the second coming of Jesus Christ. The only way that we can overcome the world is only because Jesus first did it on the cross. The second one, um, the way we overcome the world, is by the blood of the Lamb, by our testimony, and by our devotion. read from Revelation 12:11, And this verse comes right after Satan, the accuser of the brethren, is cast out of heaven in the last days. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives, and they loved not their lives unto the death. I see three ways that we overcome Satan. The first one is by the blood of the Lamb. This is referring to the death and sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. His death on the cross was necessary to cover our sins and produce holiness in us. In Matthew 26, Jesus talks about his blood that was shed 
that was to be shed for many people because of the remission of sins, or in other words, the release from the debt of sin. Jesus uses the word, the blood of the lamb, or sorry, John uses the word, the blood of the lamb, instead of the blood of Christ or of Jesus. I think the blood of the lamb gives us a better picture of what they did in the Old Testament. You know, they sacrificed many lambs on the altar for their sins. And there needed to be some kind of death because of sin. And even when the children of Israel left Egypt, they needed to kill a lamb and brush its blood on the doorpost of each house so that the death angel would pass over that house. What did John the Baptist say when he first met Jesus? He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It is through his blood that gives us hope. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Another way that we see that we overcome um, is by the word of their testimony. By our testimony um, is the way that we overcome. Remember I said that Satan is the father of lies. But these people in Revelation did the exact opposite. They spoke the truth because they are committed to truth. Jesus Christ. Their testimony was in line with Scripture. These people were in the midst of suffering from, from the tribulation. But in spite of that, they followed the truth. They were obedient to the truth. We overcome by speaking our testimony by the truth of God's word lining up with our testimony. Another way that we can overcome um, is because they love not their lives unto the death. They were devoted in serving the Lord. There was nothing that was going to stop them, even if it meant death. And I think in today's age where we're at here in Lancaster County, we don't need death to show people that we are devoted to Christ. It may happen, but we don't need that. But it is someone who serves Christ does what he wants them to do in spite of what their flesh would want them to do. It's dying to our desires for the sake of Christ. We overcome by being devoted to Christ. We are victors because of Christ's blood, which leads us to speak truth and be devoted to him. Another way that we um, can overcome Oh, sorry, I didn't pick that verse out. Is the word of God abiding in us? There we go. The word of God abiding in us. First John 2, 13 to 14, it says, I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. And I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Notice what he says about the young men. They overcome the wicked one. They are strong, and the word of God abideth in them. What does John 
mean by saying young men? We see in these verses that he mentioned fathers, young men, and little children. And also in 1 Peter 2, mentions about newborn babes. John and Peter is not referring to the age of men, but, it's, but is comparing our Christian life to the age of men. In our Christian life, we are growing more and more. And as we grow, we are maturing. We are growing stronger in our faith, in our Savior, and the Word of God. So how do we overcome the wicked one? It is by the Word of God that abides in you. So how do we do that? How does the Word of God abide in us? There are so many Christians in our world today that go to church and their pastor never opens or preaches from the Word of God. There may be other people that go to church, they go to church with their Bible, but when they are done with church, they take their Bible out to their car and throw it in the back seat until the next Sunday. And still there are other people If you look at their Bibles, you can tell that their Bibles are used. The pages may be tearing. The ends of the pages are turning brown. These people memorize Scripture. They read it often. It is a part of their lives. Which one is John talking about? It is those who know the Scriptures. What is the Word of God? It's something that is said by God. It is His words. His words were given to men to write so that we can know what His word is for us. His word to us is found in the scriptures, in the Bible. To be a comer, we need to have His word abide in us. His word is given a place, a place to stay, to dwell in, to remain. His word abides in those who are young men. They are not new in the faith. They have grown in the Christian life. To have God's word abiding in us, it is the key to victorious living over sin. The young men are not like children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they they lie in wait to deceive We allow the Word of God to abide in us. There are some verses that I want to read about God's Word hiding in our hearts. Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. John 8.31 it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then, ye are, then are ye my disciples indeed. And Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Hebrews 8.10, it says, For this is covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. This verse is especially talking to the Jews, but I believe that we can apply this verse to our lives as well. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. When we have God's word in our lives, we will grow to love it. And we can say like David did in Psalms 119, Oh, how I love 
thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Another way that we can overcome the world and Satan is by having one greater within us. First John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you're playing a game, whether it's basketball or b- baseball, you generally like when there are certain people on your team because it is almost a guaranteed win. And I can name a few people that I would want on my team if I would want to win. But that is the same in our Christian walk. We want that person who is greater in us so that we can be for sure with certainty overcome the world. Who is the one living in us who is greater than he that is in the world? If we go back a couple of verses there in John, 1 John 4, 4, we can see that John is talking about trying the spirits to see whether they are from God or not. The one who is greater in us is the Holy Spirit that God gives to all those who believe on him. But it's not any spirit that is greater. It is the spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That is one, the, the spirit that is from God. Throughout the Gospels, the Jews denied that Jesus was the one sent from God, that he was the Messiah. Instead, they they said that he came from the devil. But here John is confirming that Jesus is indeed the one sent from God in the flesh, that he is the Messiah. He goes on to say in verse 6 that those who know God or, or the author of truth accepts the message about who accepts the message about who, who Jesus really is compared to the false prophets who speaks lies. And this is an amazing promise we have in regards to the one living within us, that he is greater. He is greater than any opposition that comes our way, whether it is false teachers, the worldly pressures. Now, us as believers, we can live confidently, assured of the status and the victory that we can have through the Holy Spirit living within us. Another way that we overcome the world, um, we see these, this list here in 1 John 5, being born of God by our faith, by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm going to read those verses again. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith, who is, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that, that Jesus is the Son of God. We have three things, like I said, listed here that we need to do in order to overcome the world. It is those born of God. It is our faith. It is the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We don't overcome the world by our status in life, by our position that we hold, you know, by our good works. So what does Jesus, or what, what does it mean to be born of God? You know, Jesus 
talk to Nicodemus about this, about needing to be born again. He told him that to be born again is to be born of water and of the Spirit. I think the water that Jesus is referring to here is possibly the Word of God. Different places in the Old Testament, water is often referred to as the washing of water by the Word. And we need to be born again. We also need the Holy Spirit. We also we need to be made into a new creature, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5. The old things are passed away, and we are made new. To be born again. And also in 1 John 3, 9, it says that those born of God do not commit sin because his seed is in them. The word does not is in the present tense form in that verse, which means it is continuous action. In other words, a Christian does not practice or does not make it a practice to sin. And the reason that happens is because of God's seed, the Holy Spirit, is living within all believers. What about faith? How does our faith overcome the world? The word faith gets thrown around a lot. We can't just have faith. We need to place our faith in something or someone. People say that if they have a whole lot of faith that they can do anything. But we need to place our faith in someone, and that someone is our Lord Jesus Christ. It is our faith in Jesus that can help us and deliver us, overcome the world. What exactly do we believe in Jesus? Because even the demons believe, um, believe him. I think one thing is we need to believe that he is the one sent from God to the earth. We need to believe that he is the Savior of all mankind. And I, I think with, we need to believe that it is in Christ alone who can deliver us from the bondage of sin. There are some characteristics we see here in 1 John 5 of those who are overcomers. First, we love God. God is love. That is his very nature. His love that he has is an agape love. It is a type of love that is sacrificial. And his love that he gives us is not a love because he has received any favors from us. And God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to this earth to die for us. Before Jesus came, we were bound to be forever lost, separated from God. But since Christ came, we now can have eternal life. And because of God's love for us, because of what he did for us, because we are born of God, we love him. Another characteristic of those who are overcomer, who isn't, Overcomer is we love those around us. Because of God's love for us, we love others. We share that love for one another, for the brother and the sister around us. You know, it is easy to love those who love us back, that we gain favors from them. 
Well, that is not the way God loved us. Or even the way an overcomer does. He loves others when they can do nothing in return. Give him no favors. The Bible says if we don't love others with a sacrificial love, we don't love God. And I'm reminded of 1 John 3. It says, But whoso hath this world good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Another characteristic is that we keep his commandments. <clears throat> to never come where the commandments of the Lord are not grievous. When we love someone, especially thinking as us as husbands or wives, if you love your spouse, um, it is easier to do what they ask. Compared when you don't love someone and they ask us to do something, we will tend to do it in a bad attitude or maybe we wouldn't even do it at all. But when we love the Lord, it is with joy and delight that we obey Him. We sorrow when we do fail in obeying Him. Characteristic of an overcomer is to keep His commandments. So what is the rewards for an overcomer? If you turn with me to the book of Revelation, we can see a number of rewards there in the first three chapters. <clears throat> or two... Chapter 2 and 3. The first reward that we see is the overcomer will be, will, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. We see that in chapter 2, verse 7. When God removed Adam and Eve from the garden, he did so that they would eat of the tree of life and be forever living in their sin or separated from God. But now the overcomer is invited to eat of the tree of life and to live forever in his new creation, in his new creature, since he always passed away. There is eternal life for the overcomer. Another reward for the overcomer, he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And we see that in verse 11 of chapter 2. The first death that man experiences is our physical death. It is when we all die, that's our first death. But the second death is only for the unbelievers. And it is when they are forever separated from God and will experience eternal punishment. And the second death is referred to in Revelation 20 as the lake of fire where the unbelievers will be punished. The next reward we see for the overcomer is that he will be given the hit to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written that no man knows except the one who receives it. And we see that in verse 17. The overcomer will be given hidden manna. And I'm not exactly sure what this manna is all about, but Jesus referred to himself as manna in John 6. As the bread of life, it seems to me that those who are overcomers will be nourished and fed. They will be cared for. 
And also the white stones that they were given. These white stones in ancient times were known to be victory stones. Conquerors in the public games were given white stones with their names in them. These stones entitle them to be supported the rest of their lives at the public expense. And it also gave them entrance to the community feast. We will be given a white stone. Another reward that is for the overcomers, he will be given the power over nations to rule them and also will be given the morning star. And we see that in verses 26 and 28 in chapter 2. Some of the overcomers will be rulers over nations. And remember the parable in Luke, I think, 19, where the noble, nobleman went to a far country and he gave his servants 10 pounds, and depending on what they did with those pounds, they got to rule over a certain number of cities. And possibly, I believe, that when Jesus shared this parable, he was thinking about the overcomers ruling with him in the millennium. They are also given the morning star. The star that is given to them is referred to as Jesus himself in Revelation 22. And I think this is the promise of the presence of Jesus um, in their lives in heaven. And I believe when we get, get to heaven, that to be with Jesus will mean more than anything else um, that we experience. The reward that is given is that they will be clothed in a white raiment, and their names will not be blot, will not be blot out of the book of life. And we see that in chapter 3, verse 5. Different times in Revelation, it talks about those wearing white. And in all these times, they're referred to the saints. White is a symbol of purity. And the book of life that is referred to here has every person's name in it. In, in Exodus, when God was talking to Moses, God told Moses that whoever sins, that their name is blotted out of this book. And is this book, if we sin, our names are blotted out of this book. But it is the righteous, those that are cleansed, those that have the blood of Jesus Christ, they are the ones that their names are not blotted out. The next reward that we see for the overcometh, the one that overcometh, is he will be a pillar in the temple of God and will have some things written on him. And we see that in chapter 3, verse 12. The pillar, I believe, um, is referring, that he's referring to here speaks of stability and authority. In Galatians, Paul referred to three men that they were pillars in the church. And it uses the same idea that they, that they were that they were stable and they um, were in authority. <clears throat> and it talks about names written on the, on the overcomers. And it almost sounds like that would be our first tattoos maybe or something. But the names that are written on the overcomers is the name of God, the Father. <clears throat> the name of the New Jerusalem, the capital city of God. And the new name of Christ. <clears throat> 
And the next reward, and this is the last one, he that overcometh will sit on Jesus' throne. And we see that in chapter 3, verse 21. Just like Jesus overcame and is now sitting in the throne of God, we too can sit in Jesus' throne. We will be given an eternal throne with Christ. So are you an overcomer? Which side are you on? Are you on the side that is defeated? Or the side that is more than conquerors? It is only through Jesus that we can receive the victory. That we can come out as winners. Let's all be on the winning side. Let's kneel to pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings and your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that you're in control of all things. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the truth that's there. Thank you, Lord, for the victory that you have given us to be overcomers, overcomers of the wicked one, overcomers of the world. I pray, God, that you just help us to be faithful and to um, just rest in you and trust in you um, to guide and direct us um, as we live here on this earth. I pray that we be faithful to you. Guide and direct us today. Thank you, Lord. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.